Welcome to Onward and Other Directions. This is the story of my first Iditarod, told through audio recordings I made along the trail. So far, you've been with me and my 14 dogs as we've climbed the Alaska Range, overcome some of the biggest obstacles of the race, and made our way into the interior of Alaska. My last recording was just after a camp I made midway between the checkpoints of Roan and Nikolai. I was feeling good, but I'd only slept a couple of hours in the last few days. This next recording is one of the few times I recorded again on the very same run. I don't think it'll take very long to understand why. Whew. It is apparently 9.30 at night on a day no idea what day it is. Uh, I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday? I really have no idea. Uh, I'm on the way to Nikolai still. Just like about 10 to 15 more miles to go. Well, I am really falling asleep, and one of the reasons I was thinking about doing this project was that it would maybe potentially help me stay awake. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> but I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, because I've been known to fall asleep while talking. It's cold now. Got down to two degrees, so. I'm sure the dogs are a lot happier. I am cold, like a human who is. But, um, but two degrees is a decent temperature. It's not the end of the world. Um, Dogs are funny. They take big bites of snow. Good job, you guys. Good. There's a lot of snow here on the way to Nikolai. Like, you can really tell when you get out of the quote-unquote burn because that we did on this run before our camp. Um, the, I guess it must have really high winds there or something because it just blows. I mean, that's what they say. The snow is all blown away. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's all bare. And then all of a sudden, I, it was weird to, like, just cross the line and bam, lot, huge snowfall. Maybe it has something to do with where the mountains are, I don't know, casting some sort of I don't know, protection, or... <laughs> it sounds like a magic trick. I mean, like... Sideways thermals. Oh, man. Whew. I don't know, man. Oh, I hope this is a sign that says how far Nikolai is, because that would be helpful. There was a sign earlier, but... Salmon River. Well... At least I know that this is Salmon River. Oh, there's a structure up here. 
looks like we go right by it or th through it. Ooh, am I hallucinating? I tend to hallucinate structures a lot. Oh, I guess we go right by it. Gee! There you go. Oops. No, oh, it's fine. I guess that was like a little fishing house or something. I think I hallucinate structures because, I don't know, it's like my... What's the right word? It starts with an M, but I can't think of what it is. Anyway, my, like, desire for humanity. Um, maybe I was just thinking of the word subconscious, which has no M's in it. Not even a little bit. Oh, man. It's not too... I mean, the sleep deprivation thing's okay in the daylight, like... I'm usually pretty fine, but it's really difficult for me at nighttime. I've definitely found that it helps a lot if I can use a really bright headlamp. Um, I guess that must trick my brain into thinking it's daylight more, but... Um, yeah, we're, we just don't have charging places, so it's, it's, um, it's kind of a gamble to try to use a big bright light. <sighs> see, if I stay six hours, then I would do a feed once, and then, um... do that stuff and then feed them again a couple like a couple hours before I go I guess Let's see if I can get two meals into them if it just suddenly gets quiet it's because I fell asleep Just sleep standing here on the sled I can tell that I'm really starting to go when my eyes unfocus and like really difficult to see the dogs. Uh and then my brain starts interpreting things really weird, so like I kept thinking they were a puddle earlier because of they're mostly dark dogs and then they have these like shiny things, so it looked like the reflection on a puddle. You know, like light hitting a dirty puddle. <laughs> Sorry puppies. You guys are good. But Weird. I'm guessing this is the trail that many people use to travel between their various communities. And... Oops, there I went. Oh man. Okay, so what can I talk about that would help me stay awake instead of... Instead of snatching me away to sleep, uh, it got really foggy all of a sudden. The temperature must really be dropping. I guess after I'm out of this fog, I can look up and see if it's clear out, and if it is, then 
probably going to be a cold night. Which is not a bad thing, apparently. Maybe I'll finally get to wear those bibs I bought. Wow, even as I'm talking to you, there are some lights up ahead there. I think... I think there are just reflections from my... Oh man, that looks like real lights, but I can't trust it. I guess we're getting near communities. Okay, no, that's not real lights. It's just signposts. Man, see, my brain thought that was a house. Oh. A house and the two windows with, like, light on the inside. I have a big dream about watching a lot of Netflix after this. snacks soon but we just stopped and I don't want to alter their mo uh, their yeah their motivation boy this sounds like a terrible episode talking in my like zombie voice <sighs> even though it's um cooler out the dogs are dipping for snow a lot I think you s uh, no, now I thought I was talking to somebody else. Alright. Oh, man. Okay. You got this. What's a linear train of thought I can focus on in order to stay awake? Uh, okay. I'm gonna just describe what's going on around me. First of all, there must be some sort of, like, old marking of the trail on that are, like, permanently affixed to trees and stumps and... Then somebody must come through and tag the alders with reflective ribbon because the alders, especially that we passed through today, like the... I guess I don't know if it's technically part of the Buffalo Tunnels or not, but, um... Yeah, occasionally they'd have a random piece of reflective tape taped to them. It's kind of funny because it, in the midst of like all these different reflectors, there's nothing to distinguish anything from anything in the weather. Oh man, come on. Ooh. I'm so tired. Okay. I thought you were opposed to this. The frog. <laughs> Alright. If I was going to design another sled bag, I was thinking it might be nice to have a section that expands into a stuff sack. Oof. Just keep thinking the dogs are open water. Before I was thinking the sig- like, it was the signal. But it was just to show the ice cream. 
<laughs> what am I talking about? I'm gonna go back and listen to this. And, oh man, I definitely was just, like, describing my dream. <sighs> Come on. I just need to get to Nikolai. I can't remember if I said I'm gonna take an eight hour. But I did know that you took... Oh, boy. You know, it's a good thing that the dogs literally know how to follow the, the reflective trail markers. So I'd be screwed if not. I think Aurora and... Are, yeah, frequent flyer options, I think, for me. Okay. Uh, almost ran into a trail marker. <clears throat> Which would be rude, because it knocks him over when people can't see him. I was thinking that I should put runners on the sides of my sled so that you could tilt it 45 degrees, but I don't know if it would hold up the whole sled very well. should test that out. Oh, I did a- oh, I almost hit a tree. So I have to say that I almost bought a sled from somebody on an auction, but I don't know what I'm talking about. This is going to be the best recording quality because there's not wind and I didn't have to face or I didn't have to stand by the uh, whatever that thing's called where the cars go. Okay. Okay. Why do some dogs only like to eat meat, and some dogs don't ha have preference? <laughs> Still sells kind of a rule breaker. Ugh. At least where I'm at, if I fall asleep I'm not going to get hit in the face with the branch mostly I think right at the moment I'm like on a lake I guess right. I got your gloves <laughs> Uh, 
pizza rolls. Okay. Again. As you can hear, I've been falling asleep. So I'll interrupt myself to talk a little bit about this run. I don't remember much of it because obviously I was snoozing through a lot of it. When we're mushing, we can stand on the sled, still holding on just like normal, and be totally asleep. And I'm sure you can hear that I am completely falling asleep in between sentences. At this point, I've only slept a couple hours throughout the whole race, and we're a few hundred miles in. So, it's, uh, it's not a surprise that it's the time to be snoozing off a little bit. It's interesting to hear some of the things I say. I don't remember any of this, really. Uh, I do kind of recall chuckling at myself at the oddities that are coming out of my mouth. It's funny that I am talking occasionally to a fictional you, like talking about you did something with my gloves. I don't know who I think I'm talking to, but I think it's a little bit part of dreams. Anyway, here's the final moment of lucidity on this run before things get real sleepy. I'm trying to give myself a task each few minutes so that I can um, have something to focus on so that helps me stay awake. Unfortunately my sled is super duper packed so hopefully, hopefully that doesn't mean I'm getting ice. Nice. I'll see if Bonnie comes out in the tile operation this Friday. Wow, we are really hitting the nonsense threshold now. I have no idea what I'm talking about in this. I don't know what it means when I say, I hope I don't get ice. I don't know if I'm thinking that I might be building ice up on the bottom of the sled for some reason, but honestly, I think it's just nonsense. I do know that when I was talking about the sled being packed too full, it was because that limits what I can do in relationship to, for instance, pulling things out of the sled, rearranging things. Normally, and hopefully standing on the runners, you can do some of that stuff. That's, that's a task that I can do while we're mushing that will help keep me awake. But with the sled being so full, unzipping and then re-zipping becomes too cumbersome and honestly not even possible with how full my sled was. That was a big issue on this race and that's probably one of the number one things that I'm going to change for next year is making it so that I have even more room. 
with my specialized sled bag design, I definitely had more room than if I just had a normal bag, but I didn't have a tail dragger, which is the section that many mushers have behind them that they often use as a seat, but that also acts as extra storage. So I was missing a couple cubic feet of storage and that made a huge difference, especially when I was carrying equipment to camp, which I'd been doing for this past run. Even after a camp, you're carrying stuff, so you have to carry your trash to the next checkpoint. Uh, you know, anything that you used up that you maybe would normally send back with your what we call return bags. And that's gear, so things like blankets, maybe dog coats that you don't need anymore, other types of equipment that you don't need anymore. You put them in a bag that has your address on it, and the Iditarod gets it back to you a few months after the race. But I couldn't, you know, leave that at my camping spot in the middle of nowhere. So I had to carry that all the way to Nikolai. And I definitely had a lot with that. So my sled was just totally stuffed to the gills. I know that in the next race, I'm probably going to have to use that tail dragger slash seat situation. Even though it's not my favorite configuration of a sled, but I just need that extra space. Otherwise, I'm going to have to figure out some other method of carrying more gear, whether that's attaching a sled behind the sled. Some people use a what's called a trailer, but it's, it's like a small sled that drags behind you. Or some other option. That's all part of the problem solving that's going to go into the next race. You can hear clicking and the sound of the runners sliding along the snow. You probably heard at the beginning of this recording my voice vibrating. That's from going over bumps in the trail. And the type of bumps that form that kind of vibration are usually made by snow machine tracks. And there's me reacting to something on the trail that probably I had to steer a little bit through, which I'm doing completely asleep. I guess if I'm going to fall asleep on the sled, I better have both hands on them on the sled. What a good decision. So there I am, standing on both runners, now with my hands both on the handlebars, just totally falling asleep. And this is how I spent a lot of the race, especially at nighttime, which is when this is. In the daytime, it's a lot easier to stay awake. But at nighttime, my body says, oh, it's time to go to sleep, you old man. And uh, as you can hear, it definitely does. It's interesting because I've trained myself to hold on to the sled with an iron grip. So I may be sleeping, but there's no way I'm letting go of that sled. And I've also trained myself to react and even drive while I'm sleeping. It's kind of surreal. Sometimes we sleep on the sled with our eyes wide open, and I think that's where the hallucination issues come up. Part of it's seeing things that we're basically dreaming about and who knows what the rest is. This Iditarod, I didn't even have very good hallucinations. I've had much more interesting ones on races like the Copper Basin, where I saw really odd things, like an entire airplane sticking up out of the ground in front of me, and a man running off the trail holding a pizza box. I was really upset about that one because he was holding the pizza box up and down so that the pizza would fall and uh, I was just really upset that he was ruining the pizza. 
This run and one other run later on the race were the main runs that I recall falling asleep in primarily. I know there were others because it's a long race and I didn't get very much sleep outside of the sled, so I definitely did some snoozing, but this one stands out particularly to me. Mushing is an odd sport. Really, more and more lately, I just think of myself as the water boy to the dogs who are actually the athletes, of course. Runs like these are where the endurance factor comes in for the human, who is definitely wimpy compared to the amazing dogs. We struggle through trying to stay awake, trying to turn our nonsense that we're dreaming about into something that'll keep us motivated and keep us going down the trail. We dream about sleep more than anything else. All you want to do is lay your head down on a comfy pillow and maybe relax in a bed with a real cover. And you also don't want to let your team down, so you keep on going. When you're at checkpoints, the dogs sleep hard. They get to curl up in nice beds of straw that look incredibly comfortable. They get little blankies and they get full massages and care from you, the water boy slash athletic trainer slash resident spa. You kind of wish you could get some of that stuff, but if you're really lucky, you might get an hour, half an hour, maybe even two hours of sleep, and that's about it. I was worried on this race that I wouldn't be able to sleep when I was camping, that sleeping in my sleeping bag out in the middle of nowhere or even at a checkpoint would feel uncomfortable and cold but I was so tired that anywhere felt amazing and I camped great actually I'm looking forward next year to doing more camping especially outside of the checkpoints once I get my sled packing routine dialed in a little bit better being able to carry more gear is going to let me be able to camp more in between the checkpoints instead of having to rely on being in the checkpoints so that I don't have to carry as much. This run was tough. I started out with a really positive attitude and by the end I was having a hard time because, you know, I just couldn't stay awake. We made it to Nikolai. I got to bed the dogs down and do some really great vet care with them. I was able to take a nap in a tent for maybe half an hour and eventually we'd be on our way again. Our next run would be in the daylight, which made a huge difference. But at this point in the race, there was another factor coming into play. The temperature would drop even more. I talked about how it was about two degrees at the beginning of this run. The cold really does affect how much you can stay awake. On our next run, we'd be down into the negative numbers and only dropping colder. Eventually the temperature in some parts of the race would get down to negative 40, and for some mushers, negative 55 was recorded. That's probably where I ended up frosting my fingertips to the point where they separated from my fingernails, which would eventually become kind of a problem for me later on. But at this point, I'm young and naive in terms of this race, and I still have miles to go before I can actually sleep. Thanks for coming along with me on this journey. This part, it might not seem very exciting. I mean, I'm just snoozing and mushing here, but I do think it's kind of interesting, and I enjoy listening to the things I say as I'm passing out. Being able to manage sleeping on the sled is a skill I learned 
through all my years of handling, and I feel pretty confident about doing it as we go along. It's all a part of the bigger picture of what mushing is, and what something like the Iditarod is. I'll leave you here with the sounds of the trail, the dog's paws padding along on the snow, the runners crunching, the clink of the carabiners, and occasionally my own mumblings. I find it a really peaceful sound, and maybe you will too. You can always fast forward and head right to the next episode if you want. Or you can listen to the sound of what Iditarod actually is. Miles and miles of this kind of silence and this kind of careful peace with myself and my team. Fair warning though, don't do this while driving. It might put you to sleep. See you next time on Onward and Other Directions. Right. <sighs>